Welcome to the Research Culture Uncovered podcast, where in every episode we explore what is research culture and what should it be. You'll hear thoughts and opinions from a range of contributors to help you change research culture into what you want it to be. Hello, I'm Tony Bromley and welcome to Research Culture Uncovered podcast. This is season two and in season two we are talking to people who presented at the Research Education and Development Scholarship Conference of 2022. The conference theme was how do we stop losing talent in research careers. Today I'm particularly speaking to Anna Maria Carusi uh, and Anna Maria's presentation title was PhD Training Research Culture and Talent Retention, How the Student-Supervisor Relationship Affects Your Future Career. Hello to you, Anna Maria. Hello, Tony. Thank you very much for inviting me to this podcast. <laughs> That's no problem at all. I know, I know you, there was, uh, just to say there was three presenters, so there was your colleagues, Nazir, 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 Rebecca, Martin, as well as, as your colleagues who presented. That's right. They are my two uh, research assistants on this, uh, on this the, on the project. Um, Nazia Nazir and Rebecca Martin, without whom I wouldn't have been able to do the research or the writing up. No, <laughs> yeah, writing up was always one of my worst bits. Um, <laughs> and also, I just thought it might be interesting if you introduced uh, who you were in terms of uh, a charity or a company, because quite often, of course, at conferences, we have people from uh, universities. Um, but you're part of Interchange Research. I just wondered who, if you could say a little bit about what Interchange Research was. Interchange Research is a consultancy that I set up in 2019. Um, it basically uses um, principles, uh, I suppose, from my own background, which is in philosophy of science and um, medical humanities, uh, various ways of applying the humanities to the sciences. It uses those principles to um, more directly in an applied way in science contexts helping scientists to collaborate, to exchange ideas, to produce robust knowledge. Okay, and if people did want to look that up, the website is inter-changeresearch.com. Um, so if you want to have a look. So thank, thank you for that. Um, I thought we'd just dive in, actually. I mean, the, in terms of research culture, um, the, the whole, you know, the student supervisor relationship, particularly in respect to postgraduate research, is a major part of the culture that researchers, postgraduate researchers, uh, certainly experience. Um, so I just wondered, you, you mentioned the Emerging Research Cultures Project and 23 Welcome funded PhD training programmes. Um, for, for anybody outside the UK that may not know about Welcome, it's one of the major funders in the UK, a charity funder, if you're wondering who Welcome are. So I just wonder, could you explain a little bit more about what the Emerging Research Cultures Project was all about, how it came to be? In um, 2019, the Wellcome Fund well, issued a call for PhD training centres. And um, part of that call, they included a criterion of success, which was quite unusual at the time, uh, in that uh, it was a positive research culture alongside scientific excellence. Now, it wasn't unusual to include some things about positive research culture, but it was unusual to make it equally as important as scientific excellence. And so they were really serious about uh, making sure that the research culture that students were going to be trained in was in some way improved from um, previous or existing research culture. 
and um, and all of the programs um, that were successful made undertakings as to how they would achieve this. Emerging Research Cultures was uh, funded um, shortly after those uh, those uh, p the twenty three programs got started, and. Um, it got funded as a strategic pro, pro, uh, project by the Wellcome Trust. Um, and what the project does is to sit alongside these programs uh, because of the, you know, imp improving research culture is something, it's very easy to say. It's um, yeah. very difficult to actually do. And uh, it was a matter of trying to make sure that there was some way of understanding what are the different practices that the different programs are trying out um, and what is working well and what is working not so well and, and to ensure that the programs can all learn from each other and also that this, this kind of at least if not best practice because we don't know what the best practice is really but you know better or more effective practices could also be disseminated more widely. Um, I just just wondered in terms of the uh, 12, 23 um, funded projects, what sort of disciplines? Was it a wide range of disciplines or was it sort of in a well, not a narrow range, but what sort of disciplines was it? They're all in the biosciences. Uh, right. well, 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 they're all sort of biosciences very broadly. Mm -hmm. um, Welcome Trust um, funds uh, mostly biomedical research either in the sciences or in social science or in humanities. Okay. Now, I just wondered, just so, you know, just interested to see which discipline it was. Um, you, you also talk about toxic research culture, and was there any particular areas of what we might term toxic research culture? Because we were looking at PhD training, uh, the main indicator of a toxic culture is when um, PhD students are kind of, treated like the pawns of of PIs, of supervisors, where they are there to carry out the pre-existing needs of the supervisor or the PI without proper attention being paid to their own needs and their own career pathways or their own interests. And um, sometimes there can be th this, this kind of toxic culture can be uh, it, can be felt, can be experienced as a kind of a, a pressure to obtain results, or even sometimes a particular kind of result, which, which the the um, which given the vicissitudes of of research, um, the PhD student might not always be able to produce, mm -hmm. and you know so that's an extreme, of course. Um, where the where PhD students are kind of merely a pawn of the PI or supervisor, and that's 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 an extreme that rarely rarely happens, but of course there are different expressions of this, and I would say maybe toxic um, research culture from a PhD student's point of view is where their own needs and their own careers are not fully taken into account. Yeah, and I just wonder in terms of you've already mentioned about difficulty in change was the, you know, before we move on to what the aims of a particular project were, uh, what did you see as the challenges in trying to make change happen there? The biggest challenges to making, um, making change happen is not, um, is really sort of the, the, um, the research system 
um, structural aspects of the research system that both academics and students, or both academic staff and students are caught in. Um, and that it's very difficult even for the academic staff to change. So academic staff are under pressure and they are under pressure because of the kind of reward system that they work in, a reward system for promotion or for gaining further funding, which we know is very publication driven and is very driven towards a certain type of publication in the so-called high impact journal. And because there's a kind of a very much a channeling of a narrowing of what counts as success in, in the, the, the academic research context, everything kind of gets geared towards that goal. And that puts an, an enormous amount of pressure on academic staff and that pressure gets passed on to students. And I think that that's the, the biggest issue, the biggest challenge that is faced is really the incentive system and how the incentive system works within um, academic research institutions. That's interesting. So does this uh, lead on to the aims of the project? Was it an evaluation project or did you have particular aims that you're trying to achieve? No, the project in itself is not an evaluation project. It basically sits alongside the 23 funded programs. And um, it's kind of, is like a kind of reflective tool. Um, give, it's a space where programs can reflect on what are they doing and how well is that going. And um, it's, so the aim of the project was to set up a community of practice consisting right. of the 23 programs together with the welcome and ourselves, um, where each learns from the other. Because uh, the term research culture and positive research culture was is relatively undefined. It's very, even if you've got a more or less understanding of what it is, different institutions and different people tend to prioritize different aspects of it. And you can get very differing practices around what it is to improve research uh, culture. So this, this community of practice that we are working with is, is in a way is works towards trying to build up an understanding of what are the main, uh, and, uh, main experiences of research culture, what are the main priorities around research culture, what are the ideas about how it can be improved, and to gather those, to have a place where those ideas are are not left implicit, but are articulated, made explicit, um, so that they can be reflected on by the whole community. It was I was interested from your abstract, you talked about participant action research. So and I think you probably have begun to say something about that and what you, you've just said. So I did wonder how, how you've done this, you know, how have you pulled this community together? Well, as it so happened, we, when we started, um, just soon after we started, um, they, there was also the lockdown and the pandemic and like right. everybody else, we ended up doing things much more electronically than we had hoped for. Um, but um, in one or other medium, what we have done, we, we, we really um, try to create opportunities for discussion um, and for proper conversation. So the com community consists of everybody involved in delivering the programs and everybody involved in receiving the program. So the students are there, but so was academic staff and so the professional services staff. We consider everybody equally important in the community and everybody has their say. And we have had a number of workshops and, or, and a number of, of group discussions, kind of sort of mini focus groups 
and we've conducted a number of interviews where we basically are, are simply gathering from people their interactions, their thoughts about, about the programs, about how they're doing, um, and their understandings of how, um, how the system operates with respect to particular action areas which the community themselves had identified. So for example, we had the action area of working, working hours and um, taking leave. Right. Um, so which, which emerged as quite a strong concern after the, the, um, as lockdown eased. And um, that was identified by the community itself, as well as supervisory practices, um, especially the issue of giving feedback to supervisors and, some, and to the students as well. So what is a good way of giving feedback um, to, to supervisors and to students? And we also had um, the, the broad area of mental health was also identified as an action area that people felt needed further action. Again, quite unspecified because mental health is very broad and can mean so many different things. But we were trying to understand from the from the, the, the community participants what do they mean by it. Um, and um, and lastly, we also had action area of the kind of the legacies of the pande pandemic, both positive and negative. What kinds of of long lasting effects would there be of the pandemic and what kind of actions could be taken to mitigate against negative effects and to encourage positive effects. No, I mean, so it's some of the things that the, that that the participants themselves identified. Yeah. No, it's fascinating things. I mean, you've mentioned so many important areas, just I think you mentioned five, four or five things, though, it's really important areas of uh, culture. So were, were there particular outcomes? I mean, were you able to do, were people ultimately be able to do something about their concerns about the hours or taking leave or feedback? So what were the particular outcomes that you achieved during this process? Oh, well, the, the, the we have several reports written so that people could go and have a look and see what they, and the reports function as this means of articulation where we have many quotes from the community. People can 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 go and have a look and see. Uh, so almost a, it's a way for this community to reflect in itself. We also have um, task forces which have been set up by the students themselves to act on on the on four areas, where they will will figure out for themselves what it means to act in a particular um, domain to try to change it. So we're in the process. The, the students are in the process. Of, um, of working through that. And we'll have a kind of a, a report from them. And that is a really important part of the whole process because not only do the students kind of learn about some aspect of research culture and figure out how do they get information about it, but also need to figure out what would it take to act in this domain. And we also very much stress to students that the research culture is theirs. It's theirs to own. They are the ones who are going to live in this research culture. And so it's theirs to try to, to, to bring about changes in. So we have really tried to stress this agency of, um, of the students themselves as they are the, going to be the ones who are going to form the research culture of the future. And I just wondered, as we 
pull things together here. Do, do you have an, an answer to the question that you pose in your title? How does the student-supervisor relationship affect your future career? Well, when we did our discussions and all of the, the various um, opportunities that we made um, available for conversation, um, we asked people to draw maps of agency to figure out who are the actors in the domain and how are they interconnected. And we became very clear that the supervisor-student relationship was at the center of all of the different action uh, areas. And you know, with it, it shapes everything. It's also shaped by, um, so it's it's both shaped by the uh, the the broader research system, and it is the means through which practices are passed on to students. So there's a lot of role modeling going on in that relationship, and um, and so it is a very interesting re relationship where um, what has been um, what has been attempted in a way the, the intervention of the welcome in with these PhD training um, uh, programs was to empower students in a way um, so that there's a place where there's a kind of because there's so much emphasis on student-centered training so much emphasis on 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 uh, giving students the scope for their own development to find their own paths of development and that kind of pushes back onto onto um, supervisors as well um, and we'll hopefully what we've shown because of, it's such an interconnected node of the whole research system it can push back and have effects more broadly in the system so that's what we found about about the student center uh, stu student supervisor relationship it's so central to so many other things that acting on that relationship has a chance of having a kind of a ripple effect um, in changing supervisory styles across the whole system and in pushing back even changing potentially reward systems, incentive systems. You mentioned reports actually as you went through, but is any of the stuff that you've talked about during the discussion, is it going to be available for other people to take a look at? Um, is it through the website perhaps? I don't know. So can other people get a hold of this stuff that's really good? Yes, all of our reports are um, are available. We've made them all um, openly available on the Social Sciences Archive. And if you come onto our uh, website, um, you will be able to find them. Um, if you just find uh, the Interchange uh, Research website, there's a project page for emerging research cultures. And on that page, you will find links to all of the reports that we've published so far. And we've also got publications coming up in the near future, we hope. No, that sounds fantastic. So just to reiterate, the website is inter-changeresearch.com, as we mentioned earlier. It's been fantastic to talk to you. So thank you again for joining us on this podcast. And just to encourage people to listen to other podcasts in the series where we talk to presenters from the Reds Conference in 2022. So uh, thank you for me and Anna Maria. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you, Tony. Thanks for listening to the Research Culture Uncovered podcast. Please subscribe so you never miss out on our brand new episodes. And if you're enjoying the discussions, give us some love by dropping a five-star rating and written review as it helps other research culturists find us. And please share with a friend and show them how to subscribe. 
email us at academicdev at leeds.ac.uk. Thanks for listening, and here's to you and your research culture.